the Women Changing the World podcast, a podcast on a mission to bring you some of the most amazing women I know who are doing incredible things to generally make the world a better place. From corporate sustainability to straight up magic and everything in between, you'll meet the real life humans who are birthing the new. I'm your host, Liz Best, and I'm here to amplify the stories and voices of women who are changing the world. Welcome to another episode of the Women Changing the World podcast. Today, I am so excited to sit down with Michelle Egger, who is the co-founder and CEO of Biomilk, which is a woman-owned, science-led, and mother-centered company that is redefining the future of nutrition. We discussed how you think about your impact when you don't have a product on the market yet, how you can fundraise in a way that aligns with your values, and what women supporting women looks like in the biotech space, including what specifically Michelle is doing to connect with and support other female founders. I just know you're going to enjoy my conversation with Michelle as much as I did. Welcome to another episode of the Women Changing the World podcast. I am so excited to have you all here today, um, and I'm so excited to be sitting down with Michelle Egger, whose work I think is so cool. Uh, hello, Michelle, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks Liz, so much for having me today. Of course. Um, it's, again, so exciting to have you here. I first heard about Biomilk not too long ago. Um through one of my clients and I was like, oh my gosh, this sounds so interesting. And then um, somewhat fortuitously was introduced to you and it just felt like the stars aligned. Um, So before we get into, I have so many questions I would love to ask um, all the questions. Would you mind briefly introducing yourself to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Um, My name is Michelle Egger. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Biomilk, where we're leveraging next generation science to feed our next generation. Um, I'm a classically trained food scientist. Um, I worked in dairy commercialization and fermentation um, cows, (laughs) not humans before this point in my career. And food has always been my love language. It's how I share care for others. And um, it wasn't a surprise to my family or friends when I entered into the world of food science. But I quickly found that... um, Working on you know a new stra- strawberry flavored yogurt wasn't really going to change the world, uh, or address these huge planetary boundary challenges and food systems issues we face. And so I went searching for more meaning and impact in my career, and through a long and circuitous journey that eventually brought me to Biomilk, where I now have co-founded this operation with Layla, my CSO, um, and the real the real brains. Um, and we are a team of 32 working on human milk outside of the body in Research Triangle Park, North Carolina. Oh, so cool. Well, I definitely will want to hear 
more about the journey and the twists and turns. So I'm putting a pin in that <laughs> for later <laughs> in our conversation. Um, but I so food is, is one of my love languages too. I love that description <laughs> of how you came to be in food science. Um, well, I have to ask, you said like you were not necessarily satisfied uh, with, with your impact maybe in some of the work that you were doing previously. And because this is the Women Changing the World podcast, I ask everyone kind of up front, if you could change one thing about the world, what would be your one thing? That no one would go hungry. I always have been deeply passionate about reducing food insecurity and, and increasing food access, especially to, to healthy and, and high quality foods. And I've always found it kind of affronting that we can solve so many issues and, and put billionaires on the moon, but we can't figure out how to make sure that every person who lives on this planet is has the human fundamental right of, of being healthy and fed. Oh, yeah, I, I feel that. And certainly, and that's a challenge I would love to see us address in our lifetime. Um, it's kind of wild to think that we haven't gotten there yet. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But chipping away at it piece by piece. <laughs> Totally, totally. And I and I love like, you know, the vision of, like the, that biomill can play a role in that. Um, so I would love to hear a little bit more about how you and Layla met and how you started Biomilk. Yeah, yeah. So I, um, rewinding just a little bit in terms of, of, of my background and experience, you know, I, I was working uh, most recently before I, I left the corporate world at General Mills um, in their R&D groups, which which I loved, honestly. Um, people are fantastic. It was fun to work on brands and products that everybody knows well. Um, but at the same time, I got to spend about 10% of my time doing pro bono consulting with small and growing dairy companies in Ethiopia and other parts of Africa as a part of my job. Um, and I increasingly became more excited and passionate and and delighted by that work and I asked myself uh how do I get to do this as a full-time job (laughs) how does somebody pay me to do this kind of work uh and I thought that that meant business school and going and working in philanthropy so I came to Duke in 2018 to North Carolina I'm I'm from uh not the south as you probably can tell by my accent if you're an American (laughs) and and know the regions of the country I'm, I'm born and raised in Minnesota originally and um, Duke for social impact and entrepreneurship as an MBA program meant that I hung out with a lot of people who wore boat shoes and golfed, um, <laughs> which I realized also wasn't necessarily my people, but I had the opportunity to attend the Center for the Advancement of Social Entrepreneurship, which is a subset program within the, the Duke Fuqua MBA program and learned about impact investing, sustainable business models, um, kind of talked about ESG before it was cool (laughs) and um, became increasingly passionate about staying in food. But like I said, thought philanthropy or impact investing was really the path forward. So I had an opportunity to spend time at the Bill Melinda Gates Foundation and their private sector partnerships team. So looking at really cool nutrition interventions, which is where I was introduced to infant nutrition. So I'm not not a mother. I've never breastfed. Um, I don't do this work because I'm just weirdly obsessed with babies. Um, <laughs> I, I do it because I, I had a formative experience there where I realized, you know, we could combat downstream malnutrition over and under nutrition by just giving infants the best start in life we possibly could. And I 
was so horrified, frankly, by the lack of innovation that infant nutrition has had over the last 50 to 75 years that we have found ways to make incredible advancements across food. And we still use powdered bovine milk with some vitamins and minerals to support the first three years of life, often in many ways in terms of development alongside the introduction of solid foods and other other foods. Um, and so that, that realization and passion, um, a mutual friend saw my kind of new newfound eyes and said, hey, I know this crazy lady trying to make milk outside of the body. You want to meet her? <laughs> and I mean, literally, that was the intro. And oh my gosh, I, always I love say, it. <laughs> exactly, right? I always say, like, the moment she said it, I was like, I must meet this woman. Because, <laughs> you know, when someone says, like, crazy lady, I automatically just auto-plug, like, brilliant or visionary into it. I... I I don't know why exactly, but there's something about that phrase that just immediately spurs like, okay, just clearly no one else gets it yet. Mm. Um, and I met Layla and that was, was totally the case. She had been working on this um, since 2013, this idea that you could produce human milk outside of the body. Um, she would go to like a local slaughterhouse, pick up a warm udder, dissect it for tissue in her trunk, take it back to this little lab she had built out of eBay bought equipment um, and was trying to get cells to produce milk because she herself as a mother had experienced the, the trauma of low milk supply and not being able to adequately feed her kiddos. Um, and when I met her in 2019, it was clear she had this beautiful, beautiful vision for not just how biomilk could uh, nourish infants, but also how it would empower parents and families and would reduce greenhouse gases and, and be healthier for the planet. And uh, um, I told her, I'm a full-time student still. I don't have time to be a founder, um, but I'll help you. <laughs> I'll put some of my time towards it. You know, I'll, I'll help you on a business plan. I'll help you apply for a grant. You know, I, I can help on the peripherals. And uh, two or three months later, we we were biomilk and we had strapped ourselves to a rocket ship and have never looked back. Oh, my goodness. How cool. Um, and I love that. I, I hear you on like if someone thinks someone's a crazy lady, I'm like, ooh, <laughs> I would like to know. <laughs> like a dog her. whistle for me. I'm like, yes, I must. Exactly. I must know more. Totally. And also I feel like famous last words that you were like, I don't really have time, but I'll help yep. you. <laughs> um, that's so cool. So, um, so what has it looked like since, since 2019 and, and since, you know, quote unquote, strapping yourself to the rocket ship, like what has that ride entailed? Yeah. Well, Layla and I kind of accidentally fundraised, um, we thought that, you know, we'll just find some advisors and some mentors. And then everyone was like, well, you know, I remember one distinct conversation, like, well, send me your link for your VDR. And I had to be like, what, it, what is a VDR? And it was like <laughs> virtual data room. It's where you show me all of your materials so I can invest. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Sorry. In the background, I was like, Google VDR when you get home, you know? So <laughs> like how uh, to VDR. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so we definitely just kind of jumped in. We we had this really fantastic idea, really great momentum, and we're meeting lots of, of really excited people and realized um, capital wasn't going to be easy to obtain, but also wasn't going to be as hard as maybe we had thought. 
and that we were instead going to have to be more careful about who we brought on as partners than if we could bring on partners with with dollars. Um, so we we raised our seed round uh, in early 2020. You know, we we founded Biomilk a month before the pandemic officially hit the United States, and everything went remote, and it became a, a wild new world. And uh, in some ways, that was a blessing to us because it meant Layla, who's a a, a mom to, to two preteens, didn't have to. Uh, travel to San Francisco for months at a time. And it meant for me that I was able to fundraise from afar and continue and finish my MBA. And uh, the day of my graduation and, and the last day Layla had funds to survive, we closed our, our seed round with Breakthrough Energy Ventures as our lead. Um, and then had to turn to each other and say, now what? <laughs> <laughs> we, we climbed this first mountain that we didn't even know we were starting up. You know, we thought we were like headed to that hill over there, and it it, it was Kilimanjaro, um, and and what's Everest? Like what's what's to come? And uh, that was hiring a team in the pandemic. That was building out a full lab space. Um, that was advancing the science past kind of proof of concept experiments. We we had been able to operate to, you know, full scale experimental design and. Um, we have been growing exponentially ever since. So we are um, now a, a pretty large team for us here in Research Triangle Park. We have two lab spaces, a pilot space and two offices. Um, and we are working diligently on bringing this technology to market safely and bioethically, which um, is a challenge, that, that's for sure. Absolutely. Well, if, if it was easy, someone might have done it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's so interesting. I actually similarly like my my business birthday was uh, is February eleventh, so right before the pandemic hit as well. And it was a wild time to be. In a way, I think it was nice, right, because we had so much less legacy infrastructure to change, um, but also a wild time to be starting anything. Yeah, I mean, the I say the good thing about it, and to anyone who's interested in raising capital in the pandemic, I I think one of the beautiful things is we got to know our potential investors really quickly, especially for the type of problem we were trying to solve. You know, it, it became very clear when there was a screaming kid in the background that they probably understood <laughs> what we were doing or what we were talking about versus, you know, in a, in a polished uh, Silicon Valley office where you just really don't get to know somebody for who they really are and um i feel really lucky honestly that we we were founded when we were because i do think we found better partners faster because of just the reality of having to strip away some of the i don't know facade that exists between venture capital and 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 startup companies uh, yeah that makes so much sense well and i know that that fundraising in particular and like also keeping your values front and center is something that was really important to both of you, especially like as you expanded your board and, you know, going on this journey. Um, what was your experience of that? And how did you make sure to really, you know, prioritize your values as you went through that process? Yeah, well, in the seed, it was more just by feel. It was, you know, do, does this organization understand what we're talking about? Do they have the technology understanding and ability to know how hard what we're describing ahead really is? Um, you know, are, are they investing in supporting other companies that look like us? Do they have 
board members and LPs and other people that represent the types of populations we're looking to serve. But it was really just kind of guess and check. It just felt kind of like, you know, when you when you knew, you knew. Um, but one thing I had noticed as a part of that was that I also knew pretty quickly when people were not mission aligned, mm. <laughs> were not a fit. Um, it, it became pretty self-evident quite rapidly. And um, I, I rarely feel my femininity as a part of being a founder um, in fundraising other than, you know, I had noticed when I said no to people, you know, no, it's not a fit or we're not interested, that they took it a lot more personally than other founders I spoke to who, who maybe weren't female or weren't younger as I am. And, um, you know, I even had one group that tried to like bully me into being a part of the round, which was like, come on, <laughs> you know, like, uh, it's not going to happen. I had to, I had to sick one of my, my male investors on them to be like, leave her alone. And, oh my gosh. And I vowed in that moment, like, I'm not going to do this. I'm, I need a better mechanism to stand up for myself where people hear me and don't think I'm being rude or condescending, but instead hear what I'm trying to tell them, which is like, we're not a good fit. Like we're not a good match. This isn't about that. I don't like you. This is about that. I can tell you, you're going to waste your time talking to me because you're not going to like me either. And, um, that, out of that was born the partnership criteria for our series a um so i i established with my team three things that i knew uh every investor that wanted to be a part of our round needed to meet and that if we could vet if we could have a a, a policy right a set of rules that we had to meet then we can lean on hey like we have identified that these are what make a really good partner for us so these are some of the things and if you don't meet these it's not worth your time because we're not going to be a good company for you either. We're going to worry about things you don't care about. You know, we're going to ask questions on things you don't have answers for. Um, and so those, those criteria where you had to have at least one female partner <clears throat> of the fund, um, you had to have at least 10% of your portfolio that was diverse or disadvantaged or, or female founders. I mean, some indicator that you would at least considered to not fund the same 26 Harvard business school, white dudes again and again. Um, <laughs> And you had to have a mandate around sustainability, health, or nutrition, which is not that hard. You just have to care about something, not everything. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'd send out my, my Calendly link for meetings, and, and I'd ask those three questions. And if it came back no's or maybe's, it wasn't a no, I won't have a conversation with you. But I brought it up in the first 30 minutes of, you know, this is Biomilk. This is what we're doing. I see you don't meet our partnership criteria. Can we talk a little bit more about that? Um, and funds that we're working on it were very sheepish. <laughs> and we're like, well, we're trying this, so we're doing that. And, and, and we saw some really cool change because of forcing the issue in the discussion. And some funds self-selected out. And even though that narrows the aperture of, of places you could take capital from, it quickly identifies who are going to be good partners and it shortens everybody's time. Why, mm -hmm. why waste time if you're not going to be supportive for me or a good fit and, and I'm not the right company for you. Absolutely. And and what you what you may never know is how many companies opened the Calendly link and saw the questions and didn't even book time. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's I was talking to someone yesterday and asked how many companies do you think didn't meet the criteria or, or how many firms? And and about 30%, I would say, 
don't meet those criteria. Um, very clearly don't. And then there's probably about another 30% that kind of sort of do or could be working on it and might get close. And there's really only about a third that like pretty clearly meet those criteria. Um, and it's not all or nothing. Everything is gray in business. It's, it's not always black or white. And so it's not to say that, you know, we were, we were radical and that like, we wouldn't speak to you, wouldn't work with you. We'll never talk to you again. If you don't meet these criteria, <laughs> it was just to say, you know, rather than me telling you my gut is we don't match, why don't we put some success criteria around this relationship? And, you know, if we meet, then it makes it much easier for all of us to be quickly aligned on why we work. And if we don't, it spurs really important, impactful conversation early on. Definitely, definitely. I think that's so interesting. Um, well, and so going back in the in the timeline a bit, I believe, um, so you had gotten your seed round, you are hiring people, <laughs> you're getting started in earnest. And I know that June of 2021 was like a huge moment when you successfully produced the world's first ever cell cultured human milk outside of the breast. I guess it was that post your seed round and pre series A. Exactly. Yeah. Right in between. Awesome. Awesome. Well, tell me like, what was that like? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what's so interesting is that um, we, we've been getting data in, we had been getting data in on our, on our, experimentation work, you know, from the moment we close the seed onward, basically. And, um, you know, science is, is really hard to determine, like, what is good science? <laughs> uh, not in an academic setting where there's a very clear, like, peer review process. And, you know, there's, there's all of these ways that publications get vetted. You know, it's much harder internally to be like, is this something we would call milk? Like, how close are we? How far are we? Mm. Like, what do we need to quantify to say that? And so, um, you know, coming through April, May, June of 2021, it was very clear as we were seeing good experimental results that, yeah, no, like what we're producing is human milk. Now, are we producing it consistently, perfectly in every experiment? No. <laughs> we still have a lot of optimization and scale up work to do. But the fact that we could all kind of finally come around the table and say, yeah, no, this is, this is working. It's not just some of the components of milk, or it's not just, you know, the idea that we could produce components of milk, like this, this is milk. Um, and how do we get it, get better and better at producing higher and higher quality product is the next phase. And um, I'd love to say that we like really, really celebrated and leaned in on it, but I think it was just more relief. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, for parts of the team where, you know, you, you start in on this journey and you're like, well, we think this is possible. And we have some data and scientific experiments that show their opportunities, but like, can we do it again? Will it work? Can we, can we do it continuously? Like there's all these open questions. And so to get to a place where we could all kind of, uh, clasp hands and say, yes, <laughs> um, maybe that's just our, our kind of like empathetic female driven culture. But I think it was more just really comforting to feel confident in the science that we have. I, yeah, I can imagine it was a moment of like, we're not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, we're not crazy. And we can actually, like, we can now talk about it differently. You know, we don't have to be like, oh, that goo that we're producing, you know, like we, we can kind of like give ourselves permission to, um, start to live the vision we've created rather than 
um, suspend disbelief. You know, scientists are very cynical by nature, scientists and engineers. We, we love to rip things apart. And it's hard to um, plant a flag and say confidently, like, yeah, I feel good about something. And uh, that was definitely a good moment. Oh, my gosh, I can imagine. Um, so then what, like, you know, I know you mentioned, like, further kind of refining and getting it more consistent so that you can produce consistent results. But, but what comes after that moment in this journey? How do we show that it's safe? I think that's the, like, big open question for us and for lots of different infant innovation companies right now is that, you know, traditional regulatory processes to show infant formula is safe are um, meaningful, but also not necessarily as applicable, frankly, to the types of technologies that we're, we're utilizing. We're not blending powders. <laughs> what we're doing looks a lot more like producing, you know, biologics or, or vaccines than it does uh, producing powdered infant formula. And so, you know, there's there's both the, the science itself, which is, you know, how do we actually make this and how do we prove to ourselves that we're making it? But then how do we prove to others that we're making it and that it's safe and of high quality? And, um, you know, when, when you start to ask about like, you know, we're not in stores yet, everyone's always like, how soon? You know, the, the question really should be how long will <laughs> working with regulatory bodies around the world take to figure out how to bring this to parents and to families? Uh, and that's really where we're putting a lot of energy and time in now because we know that there are families really desperate for a solution like ours. And um, we are also at the same time feel the weight of the responsibility to create regulatory um, paths that are adequate and, and really do give confidence to parents and, and ourselves that this product um, is great for babies. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. I feel like, I mean, I think the, the bar is high on anything health related. I think the bar is higher on anything child health related. And I can imagine the bar is the highest when we talk about uh, baby's health. And so um, I, I appreciate that you're putting that front and center as you're thinking about how to get this to market in a way that will inspire that confidence, both for yourselves and for your eventual customers. Um, well, I'm curious, I know, you know, impact is something that's core. It sounds, it sounds like it's been core to your journey and thinking about what you want to do. Um, but what does impact really mean or look like for biomilk when you don't yet have a product on the market? <laughs> yeah, I always say um, the fastest impact we can have is how we advance, develop and treat our team. Um, mm. I think it's really unique to be a female founded biotech company <laughs> um, that's working on really deep, challenging tech, but also wants people to, you know, find some semblance of work-life balance and acknowledge um, that we are not robots uh, and have feelings and challenges and good days and bad days. And how do you create an environment where you simultaneously drive forward a really, really technically difficult challenge to solve while also acknowledging that we're human beings and we're fickle. And some of that just comes down to establishing and creating a culture where we feel like people can be themselves um, and supporting the types of policies and development and opportunities we want to see for people who 
traditionally are not included in the biotech sector or represented well, like women in STEM, like um, folks from disadvantaged backgrounds, people with learning disabilities. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot of spaces where science has not been very accepting, and um, we look to change that in the way that we step forward and support our team. Oh, that is so cool. Um, and I really love that. Um, I think throughout your website and 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 researching and looking at biomilk, it's um, the statement that like you are women owned, science led, and mother centered. Like that just feels like such a powerful statement. Um, and can you tell us more? I mean, it sounds like these qualities have shaped your business and how you've approached your culture um, and your impact. Are there other ways that this has really shaped what you're doing? Yeah, I like to joke that our core values are the core values you see in a strong woman. <laughs> um, you know, we I don't think it was intentional exactly, but the things that, you know, we reinforce as a culture are, are being brave. Um being honest, so admitting when we know something and when we don't, um, being conscientious and thoughtful of others and how our actions or inactions affect those around us, being determined and resilient, being able to bounce back and, and let go of things that we can't control, um, and, and being collaborative and supportive of others. And it's not to say that, um, you know, men aren't allowed in our culture. <laughs> we get a lot of like, are you, do you like not have any men? Answer, no, uh, we're, <laughs> we're about 50-50. Um, but it's it's more about finding people who really um, understand and agree with that a, a company doesn't always have to look and function the same way it always has Types these types of companies. And being thoughtful about that, the challenges that you see in women coming back to the workforce and joining really technical companies look very different than men coming back to the workforce after a family's been added, a child's been added to a family. And being very thoughtful about that, um, you know, the science shows that exclusive breastfeeding for the first six months of life of a child is the best way to nourish a child, regardless of bio milk or infant formula. And uh, what kind of company we would we be if we didn't support parental leave policies that could support that kind of lactation? Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways that we have to be really model the world that we want to see. And um, that might make us sometimes kind of touchy feely as a culture for some people. And I will tell you, there are days when I just like the level of um, touchy feeliness when I'm not necessarily as high of an emoter drives me absolutely insane. <laughs> but you have to start somewhere. And for us, it was really being thoughtful about how we built a team and a culture that was going to be working on a mission that they didn't just think was important, but actually understood and 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 lived. Mm. Mm. Well, it just, it sounds like, it really sounds like it's like being the change. Um, and it sounds like too, like the values of the product are also really interwoven throughout the the business and the culture. Um, which is so cool. And to me, that's like, you know, well, I, I can totally imagine how the touchy feeling is maybe, maybe high on, the, you know, a given day. To me, that's so much of what feminine leadership can look like is, I mean, integrity is a huge part of it. And I loved your description of your values. It's like those of a strong woman, um, but also creating something, well, not necessarily like completely new. I, it does sound new for the biotech space and something we haven't 
necessarily seen before. Um, but really thinking about like the world that we want to live in as you're creating your organization. Yeah. I won't say we're perfect at it. There are days where we make mistakes too. I can tell you a number of times and then like, we're going to do it, do it this way. And three days later, I'm like, just kidding everybody. <laughs> and uh, so I also like to use the phrase learning in public because none of us have ever launched cultured human milk to the world before. And we are all learning in public in every role that we do. And it's important to acknowledge that uh, we can try as hard as we want and we still may not be successful, but we think it's worth putting the energy into solving this problem that we are because it's a, a meaningful problem for most of the people on this planet. Right. I mean, absolutely. And and I love that phrase, learning in public. That feels like such a beautiful like encapsulation of vulnerability and like openness to fail, <laughs> whatever your relationship with the word failure is. But um, you know, I think so many of us who are doing new things that have not been done before, uh, it is learning in public. And <laughs> that can be re- a really scary thing to do. Yeah. No, I um, my team uses it sometimes ironically now too. I think uh, where they're like, "Well, she's just learning in public," or like, "I was just learning in public," and uh, <laughs> it takes some of the sting out of some of those magnificent failures. Where you're like, "Well, we guess I guess we chalk it up to learning in public and a little bit of spilled milk and move on." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm going to borrow that. <laughs> <laughs> please do. Please do. <laughs> Um, well, I know you're you're a big proponent of women supporting women, um, and I, I know that one way that you channel this is through Babel, the badass biotech ladies. Um, tell me everything. <laughs> what, what is Babel? Um, I'd love to hear all about it. Yeah. Um, so I was invited to be a part of a mastermind group early on when I, I founded Biomilk, which I didn't know what that was. And I quickly found out that most mastermind groups are code for boys club, um, where it was like you paid a bunch of money to go hang out with other CEOs and like talk shop and learn from each other. Uh, and there are definitely benefits to mastermind groups, but I realized that there there wasn't really necessarily a group in biotech in the same way for women. Um, and I thought, why don't I make myself feel less lonely by making my own squad? <laughs> More or less. Totally. Um, and so that's what I did. <laughs> uh, so it's a group of about 15 of us um, CEOs, CSOs, um, PMOs from companies across the biotech space. Uh, we are just formalizing. We've been together about a year and a half and, and are just creating an organization that has um a bit more structure so that it can last outside of just us as individuals. But really it's about building community and collaboration and learning from one another. And um, I initially created the acronym Babel because I thought it was hilariously ironic. And I, when we've been reformalizing, you know, these are some of the smartest, most cutting edge as women in the field. I was like, should we rename it something? And they were like, heck no. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that it's called Babel. Like the like meta irony is fantastic. So you know, we are always open to new nominees um, and, and finding additional members that fit some of our mission. We, we have a, a website out there and really are starting to now turn on as well some thought leadership because we've seen 
that there are stories and moments and learnings we want to tell that when we as one individual founder of a company talk about, our companies bear the brunt of the backlash and mm. um, we don't think it's fair. So we're looking to have a way where we can shed light on some of the fantastic things that are happening in the space and some of the terrible things that are where it's not just one voice, it's a collective voice of brilliant women who have um, mutually raised about $200 million now across our companies. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. I love it. Um, well, and I actually realize you may not know this, but I, um, I have a mastermind that is called the Girls Club Mastermind <laughs> uh, in direct response yep. to. I, I've seen, um, yeah, so many of these masterminds are in fact boys clubs. And I felt like in the impact space, similarly, there just wasn't a central place for women who are literally changing the world to meet and to have these conversations. And so like, I feel like the world, the world needs more of this because I know, you know, for me too, when I was getting started in my business and still to this day, like some of the most um, impactful conversations that I've had and some of the things that have most moved the needle for me have come as a result of being in community with other women doing similar things. Yeah. And, and I would say, I had someone ask me the other day, uh, what's your dream for Babel in the next five years, the next 10 years? And I was like, in a decade, it better not have to exist anymore. Mm. Like it is absurd that female founders building amazing companies also have to build their own effing community to find <laughs> one another and find support. Like that is an abomination. And I was love where it's just founders it's not women founders it's just inspirational founders that have the opportunity to work with each other um, because it becomes more and more commonplace that there are women and disadvantaged founders in these positions of power joining traditionally groups they've been excluded from it and enriching them frankly so yeah I, I hope Babel doesn't have to become a long-term side project of mine I would love for it to just be a reality of the world that we live in uh preach. <laughs> I, am, <laughs> I am here for that. Um, well, I would love to hear too, um, like what is, what is currently on your plate at the moment? Um, like what does the day-to-day -day of someone who, you know, has birthed this project on the side and who is the CEO and co-founder of Biomilk, like what's not, what's an average Wednesday for you? <laughs> no day is the same. Um, it's, Probably what I love best about being, I, I deign to use fearless leader, but being, I guess, a, a leader at Biomilk, um, I love that every day is a little different. I get to spend some time with my team, um, troubleshooting and solving problems. I get to talk to amazing, inspirational people like you, Liz, and share some of the really cool experiences I've already had. The opportunity to have in such a short career. Um, I get to speak with investors and um, leaders in their own right in different sectors who have incredible understanding and, and backgrounds that I, I never in my wildest dreams thought I would have the opportunity to talk to. And um, now as, as the world in a brief window between COVID waves, it seems, is open, um, getting to travel again and, and meet people where Biomilk can build partnerships and 
um, that looks like for me. I think I'll be in, in Botswana here in our April and um, in parts of Europe in May. And it's pretty amazing to be able to connect with a global world ready to see biomilk become a reality. Oh, wow. Yeah, that has to feel like, it, uh, fingers crossed, right? I feel like on, on all of these things that I'm hopeful it will be such <laughs> a cool moment, um, you know, to have, I know while you've been like, I don't want to say behind the scenes, because certainly you've been connecting with people virtually, obviously, throughout this experience, but that like in person, <laughs> like unveiling and experiencing that like face-to-face connection and partnership, um, it seems like such a cool next era for the company and for you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty excited to be able to um, finally feel like there is really a community, not a perceived community of people excited and passionate about helping Biomilk. And um, it's been great not to have to travel all the time, but I'm also really looking forward to, as we're expanding, being able to expand our vision of the world. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Um, Well, I'm I'm curious, one of the things I love to ask women, you know, at the moment when I meet them or find them or get to chat with them is when you think about your younger self and you can pick an age or not, um, like what advice do you wish you could give her um, for anyone out there listening who may be younger or not and looking for some wisdom? Yeah. Um, Even just five years ago and something I'm still working on um, is let it go. (laughs) I have always had kind of the churning voice in the back of my mind of, oh, if I had known this, I would have done that differently. Or, uh, gosh, you really messed that up. You know, I can't believe you said the wrong name in that call. Or, um, you know, oh, how how could you have forgotten it was so-and-so's birthday? Like, come on. <laughs> the and, horror. <laughs> um, yeah, I know, right? And, you know, you have to learn to let some of it go. You have to be gentler and kinder on yourself than the world is on you because what you're doing is really, really hard and you have to be able to bounce back and to do that me means you need to let go of what you were knocked down by. Um, so I wouldn't say that I'm great at it still, but I wish I could go back to, you know, five or 10 years, early 20s, Michelle, and tell her, like, you're going to have to figure out how to let go faster because it's going to hurt the longer you hold on to it. Oh, that's so real. And it's so wild how, like, the voices in our heads can be so much more critical than any other person we would ever allow in our lives. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, oh, that's brilliant advice. I so appreciate that. Well, what are you most looking forward to right now? What's giving you hope for the future, making you excited? I know you mentioned the travel piece. Is there anything else? We have a lot of momentum um, within our team and scientifically in the last few months that have really picked up speed. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to see our plans really advancing the field faster. I think there have been a number of groups um, and, and a lot of passion suddenly around the infant nutrition space. It's really heating up. And 
I'm really excited to see our team uh, really lead and, and not only advance our products, but push the thinking of an entire scientific sector that's kind of antiquated. So we have some pretty cool stuff planned over the next six months or so. And uh, I'm excited to be able to share it with the world when I can. Uh, that is so cool. And I definitely will come back to this in a second, but want to make sure that people who are listening who want to follow the latest have all the ways to do so, because I know I will be following along uh, with excitement. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you, I ask everyone on the podcast this because, you know, I'm laughing. I laughed to myself when you said that you're drawn to crazy ladies. I always <laughs> introduce this as like, I look like a crazy person with all the post-its on my desk of like inspirational messages and quotes. Um, and I have a vision that one day we're going to create like a deck of all of the wisdom of the women who've been on this podcast. And so if you had a message for an inspirational post-it um, or a card uh, for the women who are listening, um, what would you want to put on it? So I have a rotating wall of them myself. Um, <laughs> Great Which mind. I feel like admitting aloud. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm staring at it now. Uh, and the most recent one, and I think most applicable based on the other things we've talked about today that I have up here, I, I wrote for myself, actually, which is I need acknowledgement, validation, and respect from me. Mm. I feel like it's all too often that I am looking externally for some of these, like you're doing a great job or that was the right choice or, um, you know, you deserve to be treated or respected in that way. And um, it's a little lonely <laughs> founding your company uh, and running it and building it and growing it. And you can't wait for others to give you all of those things. So I'm trying to be better about giving them to myself. Uh, I love that so much. That really resonates. And that's so real, especially I'm someone who's one of my love languages is words of affirmation. <laughs> so, me too, yeah. Yeah, um, the, this idea. That, that yeah. food. Tell me that I'm great and feed me, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> in, in whichever order. Like I'm okay, I'm yeah. on the order. Or combined but... <laughs> even, like I, I won't say no, yeah. <laughs> Right. The dream. Tell me that I'm great over food. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, well, I love that. Um, it's definitely going on our list over here. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, so I promised I would come back to it and I am. Uh, where's the best place for people to keep up with you, to keep up with the latest BioMilk news for us to cheer you on as you um, continue to revolutionize the future of um I, I guess like the future of what, what's the right category to put you in? Um, I don't want to even. Future of nutrition. Yeah, yeah. Future of nutrition. Future of nutrition. Um, here for that. So where's the best place for people to keep up on the latest? Yeah. So if you um, want to get in contact with someone on my team, hello at B-I-O-M-I-L-Q.com is the best way to get in contact with somebody. Um, you can follow us on all of your typical social media platforms. I do none of that work because I am not creative enough to come up with really cool videos and images. Um, <laughs> but you are welcome to follow and see the fantastic work of my team. Uh, and then likewise, we, we have a monthly newsletter. Um, so please feel free to go to our website at biomilq.com and um, follow us there to receive our newsletter. Um, you can also see what roles we're hiring for, which we are always hiring. 
uh, and reach out through that me those means. Um, and we're also always soliciting um, interested donors for our milk composition and cell studies. So if you're interested, follow up through the website. Oh, amazing. Well, we will definitely be sure to include all those links in the show notes and I will be sure to subscribe to your newsletter so I can follow along. Um, Michelle, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. It's been so fun to have you and I'm really, really excited about what you're building. Thank you so much. It was great to meet you and get to spend more time and uh, hopefully we'll be able to connect in real life in the future. Oh, the dream. I can't wait. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Women Changing the World podcast. Please rate and review the Women Changing the World podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe for future episodes. You can find me on Instagram. My handle is liz.best, that's L-I-S dot B-E-S-T, or you can find me on LinkedIn by searching my name, Liz Best. Join my mail list by visiting elizabethbest.com slash monthly meditation, and you'll receive all the latest updates on events, retreats, and opportunities to work with me plus a monthly love note from my heart to your inbox. I am so excited to keep in touch and I'll see you in the next episode.